how you doing, everybody? This is JP from JP Ross Flyrod Company and In the Seam Podcast. It's been a while since I've talked to you, and I sure am sorry about that. I've had a lot going on, a lot of life happening. Uh, it's April the 19th, and I have been very, very excited about having some tulips pop up and maybe fishing for some Hendrickson's and woke up this morning to eight inches of snow. So, never a dull moment in life. How about that, huh? Well, on today's podcast, we're going to do a little alone time with you. I'm going to talk a little bit about small streams, small stream fly fishing, and what it means. I guess what it means to me and why I think it's different. But before I do that, I just wanted to remind you to please check us out at jprossflyrods.com. I believe we're the only fly rod company in the world that specializes in small stream fly fishing. We've been making small stream fly rods for 25 years. And when we talk about small stream rods, I'm talking about rods that are as short as five foot, three weight, three piece, like our rock hopper, and rods that, believe it or not, are as long as ten and a half foot, like our peacemaker, which is a terrific rod. We everybody that gets that rod just loves it. So check us out, jprossflyrods.com. You can also find us at smallstreamflyfishing.com. I'll take you to the same place. Anyway. Let's not take this too serious and jump into why small stream fly fishing is so cool. So the first big question is, what is small stream fly fishing, right? Let's try to define it. Well, I've listened to a lot of people talk about it. I recently listened to uh, something on the Destination Angler podcast who, uh, I guess, a fly fishing celebrity was trying to explain it, and uh, he came up with some great definitions to it he talked about a small stream being as small as a as a lane or a two-lane road uh i think that that is big in some cases i've fished small streams that are as small as a few feet wide but the key to small streams is that they have uh depth and um and they have a variation in their environment in in my opinion um that's what makes like really cool small streams they um, they'll change elevation they, they change in regards to the geology they change speed um, if it's just like a, a a ditch that's just moving water you know at a shopping center or something like that you're not going to find a lot of good life in it um, but small streams can if you start getting wide like a wider than a two-lane road I'd say yeah you're out you're starting to get into a, you know the a river um, so that's what I think a small stream is. Now, the other thing to talk about is species. A lot of people think about small streams and small stream fly fishing, and instantly they 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 go to trout, they they go to brook trout, they go to uh, you know cutthroat trout, super you know really pristine fish, and that's awesome and it's true. They are they are really a great great species to go after in these small streams, but. That's not always the case. Uh, in fact, this year, I, I want to fish a lot of small streams that are warmer streams. I actually want to fish for some smallmouth that are smaller. Believe it or not, when if you take a small stream fly rod, like a two-weight, and you go in a small stream that is a warm water uh, ecosystem, and you catch like tons of rock bass and... Uh, brim and smallmouth bass that are like 10 inches long on a two weight it is awesome it's a lot of fun 
And I guess that's one of the reasons why I had this podcast start with uh, kind of like some fun music is because, you know what, I am just, I'm just sick and tired of taking things too seriously. I just, I really am. So the whole point of fishing and small stream fishing and stuff is that it's fun. And it's usually quite productive, uh, which, uh, you know, again, going into the species thing, it's not just trout. It's trout, it's bass, it's smallmouth, it's uh, it's brim, like uh, pumpkin seed and, uh, you know, red ear sunfish, rock bass, like I said. Fall fish are a great fish to catch in small streams, and they get huge. They're like a giant creek chub, but, I mean, in, in New York State, they get as big as 20 inches long. There's no reason you can't go for them. And there's a lot of warmer water small streams that have like these these pools in them that in in the summertime you'll find carp in there and uh and they're not small and they're really fun so don't limit yourself thinking that small stream fly fishing is just trout, but I will tell you that usually it it takes the the emotional connection to catching you know wild brook trout or wild cutthroats or grayling. Um, that kind of like pushes you overboard that you want to get this, this equipment to do that. So that's kind of the thing on that. So, all right. So let's get a little bit into the kind of, um, emotional connection, the feeling that you get from small streams. So first of all, what is it? Why is it different to be on these small streams? Well, one of the things that I've kind of associated with is is when you step into the small stream environment, it's very much like uh, like going into a you know different buildings, and you'll know what I'm talking about if you think about this in regards to like you know an open platform or a small little cozy cabin, and um, you know when you walk into a, a great big auditorium or something like that, it's that's this gigantic open platform. It's intimidating. You, it kind of like hits you up front, and you're not really sure like where to go, what to do, where should I not go? You know, uh, versus when you're entering into like a small kind of cozy cabin, cozy library, even dare I say a cozy church, you feel invited. You feel like you belong there. Well, that is one of the things about um, small stream fly fishing, in my opinion, is that is that these areas are just really cozy and they're very in, inviting. Um, I was uh, interviewing somebody the other day, and they were talking about how it's it's possible to to master or conquer a small stream, and I suppose that that's true in regards to the fact that you know you can always cast to the other side. You're never going to get to like some pool where you're like, oh man. I can't wait across to get to this other side. That's that's not going to happen. You're going to be able to pretty much get everywhere. Um, they these streams are just laden with adventure. They if 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 you allow yourself to do it and really look up more often, it's amazing how how they keep on inviting you to try to go further and further. And the thing that is great about that is they are always changing. These small stream environments are changing all the time. You could be in one area, and and the uh, the the flora and fauna uh, that's around will change. You'll be in you'll be in spruce traps in one area, hardwoods in another. Uh, you know, you'll come upon a beaver dam and a beaver meadow, and next thing you know, you're you're into a waterfall, 
and it doesn't take long to get into these environments and and see them change like that um so the other thing about it is there's there's a much greater chance that you're going to be in an environment where you're going to catch a wild native fish that hasn't been handled hasn't been hasn't seen a human hasn't seen any tracks that's cool that's really cool and i think that's that's probably one of the reasons that people really like to do small streams more lately i see than the than the bigger rivers besides from the fact that you know you get on a big river and they're very very intimidating uh and i've been doing this for a long time and i still get on a big river and i gotta like program myself to look at the seams differently and try to fit you know try to dissect it and i kind of Sometimes I don't really like that. I, I like being quite generic in the fact that what I'm looking at within 20 feet, that's what I need to analyze. And that's what, that's what you get in these, in these smaller streams. They're cooler. They're usually, um, usually cooler water, but they are susceptible to low water because generally these small streams are draining. They're draining, draining uh, drainage basins, and they'll, they'll get really low. But... They're changing all the time, and if you, um, it's a, it's always amazing to me that you can go to a stream that is almost dry, and then you get a torrent of rain. Go back to these places, and to be able to see how quickly the fish come come back wherever they are. I don't know where they hold up, hold, and obviously downriver, but it's amazing how quickly they come back. It's just awesome. So, um, the other interesting side and twist to this is I think the more that you fish small streams, the more that you kind of get a conservation mindset. I I think that you start thinking about how you want to, you want to preserve and protect these places. And when you put your head on your pillow at the end of the day, um, it's a nice reflection, you know, it's uh, when you're going to these places that are, are untouched, even though you feel like the world's getting smaller and smaller, like I said, it's nice to close your eyes at the end of the day and say, man, you know, I don't know, I wonder when the last time uh, somebody was, was there. Maybe maybe nobody was ever there. Isn't it romantic to think that you're in a place where a human has never seen? Uh, and certainly those places are running out. So, Well, anyway, um, so let's talk a little bit about techniques and and, and things to do to catch these fish in in small streams well the first thing i will um i'll tell you is that deliberate action in regards to to waiting and casting is a big deal you you're generally not worried about making you know the really nice perfect cast that's not gonna you know make a disturbance uh, and spook a fish or anything like that you're generally like flopping that fly down to get to a spot so that it it hits the 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 sweet spot so to speak where you think the fish is going to feed so you're like you're really bringing your rod tip down a little bit lower and really actively deliberately sending that fly where it needs to go um bow and arrow casting is another thing that a lot of people don't do um, you can go online and look at this on YouTube and stuff and see how people do these, these bow and arrow casts. And, um, some of the people that I fish with do it very, very often and very well. And, and I've noticed how effective it is. And it's, 
what you do is you grab the fly by the bend of the hook so that you hold it between your thumb and your index finger usually so that if you did let it go, you got it by the bend of the hook so it's not going get, to get you in, in your skin. And you flex the rod just to, to energize the rod by flexing it and then you let it go. And believe it or not, you can put enough energy in the fly line and the fly rod and in the fly line so that you can actually um, shoot a little bit of line or leader um, if you want to. There's some. There's a video out there of uh, showing Joe Humphreys doing this, and he seems to have mastered this. He actually can like crumple up a bunch of leader in his hand and do this bow and arrow cast thing, and and it's wicked. And um, and that's one of the reasons that we made this rock hopper five footer was specifically for like these bow and arrow casts. Although any rod can do it, but some rods do it better than better than others. Um, Another thing in regards to technique is uh, is visual flies are uh, are important. That means it's okay to fish like bigger stuff because these fish don't have a lot of time to to think about feeding. They're actually much more in survival mode than fish are that are that are getting big and fat and lazy in bigger streams. So um, you can simplify your fly selection very very easily when you're fishing these small streams and the question is up or down in regards to up or down river or um up or down in the water column and this is gonna go a lot of different ways some people really enjoy um you know having a double fly rig where they've got a fly on top and they and they put a dropper on it and they put a uh a nymph or a wet fly behind it. There's also some things to consider about this. Now, Charlie Mech, I, I met Charlie, and he used to do this this dropper rig all the time. He used to fish a Patriot dry fly with a green weenie behind it. And um, and there are two, there are two different ways to do your dropper rig. By the way, you can go you can you can tie on your your dry fly, which is your upper fly, the fly that's going to float. And you can tie tip it to the eye, or you can tie tip it to the bend of the hook of the of the floating fly. It all depends on what you want to do. Now, now some people think that it's um, better, easier, or whatever. You get a better presentation by tying it to the bend of the hook. I don't know one or the other. I think you should try both. I will tell you though that fishing two flies at once, generally speaking, you do not go below five x tip it you fish like 4x tippet because you need something that's a little bit heavier, bulkier to try to flip the fly over. So that's one thing. So it's talking about up or down in the water column. I almost always start trying to fish uh, on top. You know, I want to I want to fish on top on the surface and see if I can get fish that are going to show themselves because it's a lot of fun. Um but if you are going to go underneath, generally in these small streams and stuff, you're talking about a lot of gradient depth change. So you got a lot of snags you got to worry about. So you got to think about what you're going to do there. But just try some, you know, try some different things. Okay, so up or down river. What's the deal there? Well, depending on the the stream bed will have a lot to do with how if you're going to go down river. Because if, if you're going to muddy up the water and stuff going downriver, I think it's a bad idea. But if you're in, in freestone flowing streams and you're kind of mostly on the bank and stuff, there is, I believe, an advantage to fishing downriver 
with a wet fly. Um, and that is you kind of get to search down further than the cone of vision of what the fish can see. You get to search down with your with your streamer fly. So you actually don't cast that much. You're actually like uh, kind of kiting or luring your fly and and floating it downriver and then stripping it back by using the the floating fly line attached to the leader. And you'll find these seams, and you can and you can see all kinds of stuff. I have found a lot more fish doing that than I have actually going upriver. And I find that um, I'm not a big, you know, dead drift kind of person when it comes to small stream fishing. I'm almost always moving my fly trying to make the thing look real. So when I have a chance to do it, I actually will go upriver and fish down um, with a streamer. Now, the other thing is you can fish a dry fly downstream by flipping the fly line and the leader up in the air and you keep on raising the fly up off the water and resetting the cast, so to speak. So you can imagine you got, you're got you holding your rod downriver. You got the fly that's down there. First of all, the fly is dragging and skating. And, and by the book, that would mean that's not going to work. That is complete baloney. That's not true. If the fly is just sitting on the water skating like that, not it's amazing how many fish will will take that fly when it is dragging. It is also amazing how many times fish will f- take that fly, even when the fly is dragging and dragging underwater. So be very, very, very observant of that. But to go back to this kind of reset flip-up thing, you, you're casting downstream. You're fishing your dry fly. What you're doing is, is you're flipping your fly line up with the rod tip. And you're putting a shock wave up into the fly line and into the leader. And the fly will flip up. It flips up up river. The leader goes with it. And then it drifts back down. So you have the chance to fish the dead drift. And then you also have the chance to kind of like skate it up. Now, here's the other thing you want to do. When the fly, now you want to bring the fly back up. Lift your rod tip up. Get your fly line up off the ground or up off the water. And kind of drag the fly back without a lot of resistance. Just literally, just the the line is coming down, going right to the fly, and the surface tension is going to hold the fly. It's amazing the cool presentations that you will get by bringing the fly back upriver, kind of skating it, and never having the leader touch the water. It's really cool. You should try it. So um, these are some of the different techniques that you can consider doing on some of these these smaller streams. You can come up with your own names. We used to joke around and call it the skate back, the drag back, the drown back. You know, whatever it is, the point is, is bringing the stuff back up river from a ways down. Okay. You got a tight line, so you really don't have to worry about missing fish. But you can get down river by doing, uh, by floating the line down with the fly. And believe it or not, the fish aren't going to know that you're there. Now, still. It is important to also be stealthy. The clothes that you wear, the steps that you take. Again, remember I said the, the, the deliberate action in regards to your movement involves your waiting, it involves your movement, it involves your casting, all that stuff. you got to be very aware of, of, of all these things. But don't be afraid to fish down river. And don't be afraid to be a little crazy in regards to your presentations with your with your flies. Um, and this is across all species. You'll, you'll, you'll never stop being surprised by what different fish will do. Um, if you're going upriver, it's pretty much kind of like the, the traditional the traditional fly fishing upriver thing. Um, 
it generally works well. I think I think it works better, you know, kind of dry fly dropper kind of thing. Uh, you know, you're casting upriver, fishing the pockets, fishing the seams, fishing the bubble lines, and um, and you're essentially searching out the water by casting upriver with your dry dropper rig or just your dry fly. So it's up in the air in regards to what's better, up or down river. Okay. Um, let's talk a little bit about rods and stuff, I guess. I can't, it's, it's important for me to kind of do this podcast and talk a little bit about the rods and and some of the some of the rods that we have and stuff this is not meant to be a um a sales pitch this is just is just to talk about why you would want different rods for different things so believe it or not i'm going to start on the complete opposite spectrum and i'm going to go to long rods long being this 10 and a 10 and a half foot four weight peacemaker that we made is really like a dapping rod it's a euro nymphing rod there's no doubt about that it's a streamer rod um but the reason that longer rods in small streams work is because you've got this really long lever and you can reach over rocks and you can get good presentations and stuff again like i was talking about where all you have is your your line and your leader kind of attached to the fly and drift in that fly you can do that with the 10 with the 10 and a half footer now there are times that the 10 and a half absolutely is not great and if you're trying to get through thicket and stuff and trying to walk around big boulders and things like that, I was doing this in the Smokies with uh, with Mark and Steve, and it sucked. I mean, it was like, I was like, this this rod is awesome when I'm on the water, but when I'm trying to get around in the in the rhododendrons and stuff, it was terrible. I, I hated it um, as much as you can hate being outside, but it was not ideal in regards to trying to bushwhack and stuff with a, with a 10.5 footer. Which means, okay, so now you go to the other side of the spectrum. You get ten and a half foot peacemaker that we make four weight. Let's go way to the other side. You got five foot three weight three piece rock hopper. We also make the five footer in a two piece um, as well. But we're pretty much transitioning everything over to the three piece. Why is that good? Well, it's a great bow and arrow casting rod, but. One of the reasons that I made it also is so that if you're trying to get around a whole bunch of junk, it's a lot easier to take the fly, put it on your hook keeper, grab the tippet, you know, and hold it kind of like a trigger, uh, and you're holding your tippet so you got some tension on the tip, and then you can just kind of like point the thing through all this thicket and get to where you're going. You don't have as much leverage because the thing's five foot long, but boy, it sure makes up for it when you're trying to get through a whole bunch of uh, blowdowns and all kinds of stuff. So two ends of the spectrum on rods. Um, then you start to kind of like go into the 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 middle end of the, of the rods. So first of all, the Beaver Meadows divided into the Carbon Series and the S-Class Series, and I'm not going to spend a ton of time trying to to tell you what the difference is of the two. What I will tell you is that the Carbon Series, specifically in the six and a half foot two three weight, is a great rod that's going to fish a double fly rig, or if you're going to cast some bigger streamers or some sinking flies, things like that. The Carbon is the is the way to go, without a doubt. The six and a half footer in the S glass in a two weight, for example, is is very very smooth, very soft. It's not a good rod for fishing anything other than small flies that don't have weight but boy it's an awesome rod when you want to when you're going to catch a fish that's not real big and you really want the rod to flex it's an awesome rod for that the six and a half foot three weight s glass not is still glassy 
it's it's still that smooth glass feel. It's, you're still going to feel it bend down into the cork, but it gets a, a little bit more power, a little bit more oomph when you go from the six and a half foot two weight to the six and a half foot three weight. So if you're going to start fishing a little bit bigger fish, a little bit bigger flies, but you still want the S glass feel, you could go to the to the three weight. Still is going to be softer than the six and a half foot two three weight carbon. You could easily take a six and a half two three weight carbon beaver meadow and cast at 50 60 feet easily and the reason that it's called a two three weight is that the rod is really made to cast 30 feet with a two weight and like 15 feet with a three weight that's why it's called a two three and the rod will flex more and it's got more energy in in it as a carbon rod to able to be able to be a multi-variable fly line uh rod not the case with the S-Glass. The S-Glass is specific that there's a two-weight and a three-weight because the rod is already flexing so much that there isn't a lot of power left to change up the fly line. So so that's kind of a quick overview on the carbon and the S-Glass. Now, we also have this rod called the Muir, which is a seven-foot, three-weight, five-piece E-Glass. Pretty simply put, it's a glass rod that packs down to 19 inches. It's like this is the Bushwhacker rod that can go inside your backpack and if you're going to catch some fish on it no matter what the size i i was in labrador and i caught pike on it that were like 30 inches long when uh, some of these small streams that had brook trout in them would would come into these bigger pools you'd actually find pike in it so one day i was like well let's see if i can break it and i didn't uh and i caught some huge um pike on the mirror but that's not its intention the whole the point of the mirror seven foot three weight five pieces that the rods like the ultimate glass pack rod so then there's this other weird rod that we have that a lot of people love and i love it too which is the wild card the wild card really is a it's a six foot 11 inch five weight four piece and it's a carbon glass hybrid um the rod is extremely durable. It's six foot eleven inch, and if you put a fighting bun on it, it's seven foot. The rod is really made so that in smaller streams you can cast some bigger, bigger flies and catch some really, really big fish and be able to turn these big fish. A lot of big fish in small streams will stay in the wood. They'll be in the blowdowns. They'll be in. They'll be in the wood. Um. You know, there's a saying that the that the foam is home and the wood is good. Well, um, if you gotta if you gotta hit a pocket or um, you know the the strike zone is like two inches from this log that's down or a bunch of logs that are down. I'm talking two inches. Seriously, is like how close you gotta get. Then you're gonna strip the fly, put some life into it. Then this big fish hammers it. If you're doing that with like your six foot six inch two weight and that fish takes that streamer even though you've managed to cast like a size six woolly bugger or something like that you're it's over man you're not going to turn that fish when he's heading in back into the sticks but you can do it with the um with the wild card you also could you know you could fish it with with 2x tippet and put a big streamer on there so so there you go um this kind of also leads into um flies and stuff and I don't think flies matter uh, really at all. Um, if 
if I had a choice between the flies that I was going to take, I was going to, I'd take, and this is the truth, I take dry flies that I can see. So I take big bushy dry flies that are bright in color that I can see and are, and are big and bushy so that they'll float. Um, and I don't have to put floating on them a lot because I like to fish small streams that have a lot of moving water in them. And I have streamers. I have two types of streamers. I got skimpy, skinny streamers that, that are going to stay kind of in the film. And I got bigger streamers that have maybe have a brass bead on them or something like that so I can get down into some of these pockets when the fish are a little bit more spooky. Um, and that's that's really all you need. You could stick them on your hat and go, and you probably will be absolutely fine. Um, so that's... That's it on flies. There's a lot of different flies out there. You can make your own choice on that. Nets are, you know, there's a lot of questions about nets. Um, we make um, we make rods or we make a, 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 a net that's a small net. I think you're going to want a small net that has a small hoop on it and stuff. Um, and the reason being is a lot of times these fish are flipping and flopping and stuff like that, and you kind of want to calm them down. So it's not a bad idea to have a net a small net with you um that's not going to harm the fish that way you can kind of calm the fish down try to not even take them out of the water at all i think that's why nets are really really good uh in small streams i know it's another thing you got to carry and it's going to get stuck in the in the um in the uh the sticks and stuff as you're climbing around but if you can catch that fish bring them in and never had never really get them out of the water i think i think you're you're much more ethical of an angler so well, I think that's kind of where we're at for today. I got my notes here to make sure I didn't kind of forget anything. Um, well, we sure do uh, appreciate you guys and gals listening to us. I got a lot of great feedback that people like the In The Scene podcast. I'm not going to get into the, to the details of, uh, of some of the health issues and stuff we've been dealing with, but, you know, it is what it is, and sometimes shit's got to give so uh the podcast was one of them but i plan on trying to get back out there i'm going to record another one um with keith tidball this week uh which is gonna be kind of cool keith is super knowledgeable about uh history of the united states united states and uh and the office of the interior and and national parks and stuff like that i thought that would be really really cool to talk to him so i'm gonna take a night off this week uh head up to big moose and and uh, probably suck down a couple fingers of whiskey and hang out with keith and get back to you guys with some awesome history about uh the adirondacks and the united states so listen spring is here i know it's if you live in upstate new york you're probably like oh my god i can't believe the snow but it's here get ready put your plans together now in regards to getting out and enjoy yourself remember get outside simply fish And be happy. We'll see you soon. Thanks a lot, everybody. See you on the water. God bless.